0: Design thinking as a skill set. We've done a lot of work to define kind of what the proficiency in design thinking looks like as you grow that and how you can grow it uh, and training and things like that to help organizations to grow in those skill sets. So finding those partnerships with related parts of the business, like those doing digital transformations or innovation work or customer experience.
1: Similar patients, right?
0: That's right. And like I think you and I would recognize. Of course, design plays a role there, but it's not necessarily going to happen and is going to be a, a, that strong partnership unless you're reaching out, unless you're staying connected with these different parts of the organization, exactly building those bridges.
1: Welcome to Design Drives, your audio experience about what, how, and why design drives things forward. A podcast hosted by Sebastian Gear, together with forward-thinking design practitioners from around the world. So in this episode during UX India in Hyderabad, I talk with Nick Cochran from ExoMobile, who is a design strategy manager and driving force for many years building up the design capabilities within ExoMobile, as well as building up resources and the culture within the organization when it comes to design. We learn from him how to build up a common understanding within the organization of what design can deliver, how to collaborate with other teams from a design side, and why it's important for an organization to build up not just design capabilities from the technical and craft side, of course, but also from a facilitation and thinking side. We also learn from him how to increase the role and enlarge the footprint of the design team within our organization and how to approach this based on his learnings. So I really hope you enjoyed the episode. Hi, Nick. How are you doing?
0: Hello, I'm doing great. Sebastian, how are you?
1: Great. Yeah, I'm pretty excited to talk to you.
0: Yeah, likewise.
1: Uh, so the audience gets a little bit of context. Maybe it would be great if you would share out a little bit of your journey, where did you study? Mm-hmm. And then you spent a lot of time at you know, Mobile, so maybe you can share a little bit about the different uh, stages you've been to.
0: Sure, absolutely. So I guess I started on my journey in web design, actually in high school before I uh, went to university. I just fell in love with the idea of being able to make things. And it was the early days of the web, uh, kind of in the mid to late 90s. And so getting a chance to learn to create and make things was really exciting. I even started a little freelance business doing that while I was in high school. And that confirmed my interest in this creative field at that young age. And so I then went to Baylor University, which is in uh, Texas in the United States, I got a degree there in management information systems. There wasn't a design degree there. There was computer science, and I considered Mm -hmm. going the computer science route. But I went with the information systems uh, business degree because I, I just believed I wanted to do more than... You know, dive deep into the technology. I wanted to be able to obviously understand technology and how it can help people, but also understand how it impacts the the world of business. And so, I was uh, kind of interested in a broader kind of a broader perspective there. So, I got my degree, and then uh, right out of uh, school, I uh, got a job at uh, ExxonMobil. This was back in two thousand five. I started out as an IT analyst, and I just knew this was. A big and reputable company, long-term, good career prospects. And it was uh, in a location, Houston, where I was from. And I thought, this seems like a great start. Maybe I can find ways to exercise that creativity and that kind of passion for design. Mm -hmm. But it wasn't a guaranteed thing. It wasn't like my job coming in was designer. And so I, I served in a variety of different kinds of roles. Application developer, served doing some training lead for a large program of work within the IT organization. Uh, also, it was like an account manager role, kind of supporting one of our particular lines of business internally. About ten years in, finally, there was a birth of a design team within the company, and I got over there as quickly as I could, and uh, actually served as the supervisor of that team for a couple years as it was getting off the ground. Then have been uh, doing other design roles since then as that practice has grown uh, from those roots in 2014 to today where we've got uh, over 100 designers and ux and design strategists throughout the organization who are doing all kinds of things which i'm sure mm-hmm. we'll talk more about mm-hmm. so that's that's kind of been my journey over these past 15 20 years mm-hmm. so i think
1: what's was super interesting what you were saying so you've been at xm for a while and then the design studio started so did you do any courses on the side to sort of like you know let's say, qualify yourself, like, sure. get into the design studio? Or did you try to bring in, you know, create the practices within the IT role you had before? Yes. So I was just wondering about that
0: uh, transition. Yeah, great question. You know, as I did web design back before I even went to, off to college, you know, doing web design in those early days you did the design you did the development you just kind of did it all and we have a lot more specialization these days it seems like so so i had uh, interest in in the the development side as well as uh, as the creative and design side of it and i found ways in the roles that i was in to continue to exercise that interest in design whether that was finding ways to do some lightweight prototyping and kind of wireframe design for applications that we were redesigning in the the roles I was in. Having users come alongside at those early stages to have them interact with some of those uh, kind of lightweight prototypes to get their feedback. So starting to get into the area of like usability testing. And um, and I did go to a Nielsen Norman uh, conference and uh, get some certification there, but, you know, not, not an extensive kind of uh, formal education yeah. in design more of a uh learning by doing, sort of, a
1: bit. yeah just yeah. more of
0: doing learning by doing and just i'm passionate about it and so yeah. any chance i had uh, i was able to uh implement it uh on the job i did
1: so what was the the birth of the design studio looking like so what was the, mm-hmm. the focus of the design studio so maybe you can give a little bit also of a brief introduction about like what is design at ExxonMobil and what are some of the touch points you guys yeah
0: absolutely so our um, overall design discipline at X on mobile now, uh, it actually grew up out of our IT function within the company. And the reason for that is it started out with a scope of usability. Can we make the things, the applications that we're creating more usable and useful to the people that use them? So we started with usability testing. That helps to kind of start to open the door because then people started to think, oh, these are aren't always useful and usable for people, they open their eyes to the idea that this matters and people are struggling with some of these tools. And so how can we make those better? But then, of course, that brings the question up of how do you influence that before the end of a project? because once you've already built the thing, people don't have a lot of energy to go back based on a usability test to go start over with they find out something significant should be changed. Mm -hmm. So then this is kind of where we started to get into this studio or the early team that I talked about. We had a team that was tasked to bring in mobile devices, iPhones, iPads um, into the company and Mm -hmm. put them in the hands of employees uh, to unlock mobile enabled business opportunities. So a team to create apps for these devices. Mm -hmm. That was the the challenge from the, the VP at the time. And the four developers who were assigned to do that were super smart, and they did something that was really a good idea. They didn't just open up Xcode and start writing code for apps. They went outside the company and they visited other places to see how do they make good mobile apps. What they discovered was which we obviously know it's not just about the technical skills of software development, but it's also about having people and teams that can understand human needs and to design iteratively based on user feedback to make them products that actually meet those needs. So they had design teams, mm-hmm. those four really sharp technical guys, they came back and they made the pitch and said, if we want to deliver great mobile apps in ExxonMobil, mobile, we need to have a design team we need to invest in a design team. And so that pitch was successful. And they started up a design team shortly after, brought in a couple of people from outside because we hadn't nurtured a lot of that talent internally and we needed to kind of kickstart things. And then I shortly after moved over as the lead of that team to help grow it and uh, nurture it further as uh, we started to get involved in more and more things and uh, the demand started to grow. Mm -hmm. So that's, that's kind of how that started, the genesis of, uh, of this, of course, like I said, there was some usability testing and things that were going on earlier, but this is where we started to get kind of a proper design team in place. Mm-hmm. And from that point, that team served as a sort of a agency model to mm-hmm. support not only the mobile app development teams, but also word got out and other teams and other projects uh, wanted to uh, have the designers come and participate in those projects as well. One of the things though that we learned was people didn't necessarily understand like, how do I work with designers? What what are they here to do? Why are they part of my project now? So what we did at this pretty early stage in our design discipline was start to do some training, educating the organization. Uh, we put together a class.
1: Not the design team, but the people around That's right, not the
0: design team. The other people in the organization that worked with the designers or that might work with them in the future. And this was a class that we called User-Centered Design 101. The intention was not to teach people design skills, like to go and do design work themselves.
1: design as a methodology.
0: Exactly. It's to teach them what the methodology is. And importantly, why does it matter at a company like ExxonMobil? It was a hearts and minds play. It wasn't a skills play necessarily. And so that training developed by my uh, colleague, Jeff Hendricks was wildly successful. Lots and lots of uh, interest in the organization. Uh, It wasn't mandatory, but people kept coming. And some of them were able to take away some of these uh, kind of mindsets and skills and start to even uh, work a little bit differently themselves, you know, even though if they weren't in design positions. But what happened, too, was that created a lot of demand for the UX resources, UX research and design in this design team that we had. So it started to grow. After a couple years, the team was big enough that it wasn't quite working in the same way. And there were other organizational kind of changes and realignments going on. And that actually ended up getting split apart into teams that were focused on each of our different business lines internally. So, sort of more partnered and embedded design teams with different parts of our business, which is how we're set up today. So, we're really set up in a a decentralized model, Mm -hmm. though we sort of started from a similar, from similar roots. And my role in my team is as a central design program office that supports the overall discipline, supports those other teams and helps kind of maintain the connections and the community, some of the design operational aspects that we can help to streamline things with, you know, tools, making it easier for us to get tools to the teams and onboarding and training and recruiting and things like that. That's kind of the ecosystem as it sits today. Mm
1: -hmm. Are there any other teams at ExxonMobil that look that horizontal and go across domains like your team?
0: That is a great question. That was a
1: design team, right?
0: Yeah. So the so the design team, we've reflected on that because we do see that we have teams that interact with all different parts of the business. We have actually a, a design thinking consultancy team internally as well. And one of the things that we see as a, sort of a superpower of that team is they do interact with all the different lines of business through different engagements, acting as like an internal agency, like I said. And they're able to connect a lot of the dots between what's going on in this business line and that business line, things that maybe are similar challenges, or maybe just opportunities to connect some and align some efforts that are going on. And that's one of the things that we've found to be really powerful about having an internal design team that can work kind of throughout the corporation is being able to see those opportunities and those connections, creating clarity amidst the you know, sometimes chaotic world of an enterprise uh, business. Mm-hmm. Yes, interesting. This topic
1: about like an inter, like a centralized and decentralized design team was coming up quite often in the podcast. And they're very different setups on like each company. I think that's it's always tailored to you know the how the company is set up. So, yes, uh, I would say with some of the younger design teams they have a rather decentralized team, but then they also have. Like you were mentioning, some teams that are going across all business lines, right? And, you know, work with everyone sort of to streamline you know, Sometimes called like you know, design strategy team yes. or like, you know, like internal design team, a design identity team. and something. Yes. So, well, so and so. one of
0: the things that I, I've observed as we were centralized and then became decentralized was that those decentralized, more embedded teams, A, they started to grow faster Mm -hmm. than we had cumulatively together in a a centralized team. And they had opportunities to start becoming more strategic. Because as you have a centralized team, at least the way that we had kind of the work coming in, you didn't necessarily have the long-term play. You kind of were brought in for a project or work on some product or redesign or something. But then that, that team maybe kind of pulled off and go over to some other area. And so by having these embedded teams now they're sort of, they're there. They're there to help. They're there to support things in that line of business. And that has helped them to be more strategic, be more in it for the long term. And I think that's part of what's helped them to grow as well is that they've Created a better partnership in some cases with these lines of business, so that they can kind of see the continual impact of design and see how that can help them uh, in their business. Mm. It's interesting. I
1: guess it depends also on the designers and like the type of designers we have in that you know business line and how they can you know, convince other stakeholders about you know having design more of a strategic role, right? But it's I think what you were just mentioning there about you know, having you know, that de-centra- decentralized uh, design teams tend to have more strategic uh, or make, have easier time getting more strategic amended in the, in the process. I think it's a super interesting uh, topic and maybe even grow faster because they're more involved into the, in the product, right? And there's a more direct, uh, more direct exchange, uh,
0: investment yeah. to seeing the impact. I add a designer Absolutely. in the team. I know that's for this area and I know that we can get them to work and kind of grow this Right away.
1: Yeah, yeah. So, what would be also great for the audience if you could unpack a little bit what were you mentioning apps, right? What are mm-hmm. the the actual apps of you know ExxonMobil? Because maybe some maybe don't know from other countries. And yeah,
0: absolutely. So, so we're an energy company, uh, and so the operations of ExxonMobil are are global, and they uh, we've got seventy five thousand employees around the globe. So it's it's a large enterprise. The kinds of work that our design teams do is partly for. Internal tools. We have a lot of internal tools at our company. There are people doing all kinds of different jobs at a large corporation. I kind of think of it as sort of like a company of companies, right? You've got all of these different kind of domains and skill sets uh, that are operating within this uh, corporation. And designers are having an impact in in many of those areas. And so some of those are internal tools for people like our geoscientists and uh, and engineers you know, PhDs, really smart people doing some really incredible work, but they've got to use tools as well. And the tools that they use can impact how efficient and how effective they can do their jobs and how, you know, what advantage ExxonMobil might be able to have in those areas of technology and understanding data and things like that. So having designers involved there can help them to, you know, make decisions faster and uh, and basically get at the answers that the business needs to operate quicker because their tools work with them and not against them. So having more usable and useful tools there that really fit their workflow and their model is something that our, our UX designers and researchers are working on in the internal side. But on the flip side, we also have things that are for external customers. So we have a mobile app for handling payments and kind of discounts and rewards program for fueling up at our fueling stations around mm-hmm. the globe. Uh, it's called SpeedPass Plus right now in the United States, and it's an SO app in some other locations in the world. But this is something that you can get in the public app store. And so we have design teams that are working on, on these as well. And so the interesting thing to me is the diversity of the kinds of apps that our UX teams get to work on and the diversity of the user bases as well. It's not one kind of user, one kind of customer. They're very diverse. We have research teams going out and doing research with truck drivers at truck depots you know, around the country. You know that's an interesting kind of problem to solve. One that people, you know, might not even think about as a, as a UX designer, which you might be out there doing. The other kinds of things that we've gotten into. It's not just about apps because the way that we look at design is bigger than bigger than apps, bigger than technology, bigger even than user experience. You know, we're getting into the whole kind of service design and and even d- design strategy and using uh, design strategy and design thinking, to work on business problems that have nothing to do with technology. So, you know, just as an example, like we work with distributors in a lot of parts of the world uh, to get our products out to market. And the relationship between us and distributors is an important one for, you know, being effective and, you know, creating business value and understanding the needs of our distributors and how we can best work together with them. Is is actually pretty important, and that's a design problem as well. And so, you know, we had a team recently bring in some distributors and go through some design thinking workshops with them to better understand their needs and some of the pain points that that we could work on and improve and just make a stronger relationship with uh, distributors, you know, in in Asia Pacific. So again, design is having an impact in such diverse parts of our company. And that's one of the things I find so exciting is that you can apply these same kind of fundamental. Ways of thinking, ways of working, methods to problems of all different sorts. So that's one of the one of the things that I love about working here.
1: Mm, That's awesome. Are you also touching the physical space? I don't know. Uh, charging stations
0: and yeah good good question not that i'm aware of although there i probably will say that and then i'll find someone will tell me yes yes we've got something going on there uh, not as much environmental design kind of stuff but we've got you know we, we do have teams working on kind of marketing and communications as well so mm-hmm. i do I, I expect some of that is definitely in there
1: mm-hmm. yeah i was just want to because you guys come more from you know was a product side and like uh, started like more from usability you know side uh, design studio then I just wonder, like, if you go to that touch points as mm-hmm. well and the, the evolution, uh, yeah. right, uh, because there's, the like, and that's, you know, always a legacy, right, an organization, like, mm-hmm. where is it, you know, coming from and other departments that, you know, do the work of design, right, and because they're doing it for a very long time and then there's a connection between these two departments.
0: So so an example of that is in our, in our marketing department for marketing our fuels and our lubricants products, you know, obviously design plays a role in marketing and, you know, we've worked with external agencies and things like that. Before to do a lot of that external marketing, one of the things though that uh, has been a big push recently has been in our marketing departments, customer experience and and brand experience. You know some of these initiatives and programs and kind of focus areas. And one of the things that I've been trying to trying to do is build bridges there to demonstrate a we've got some design capabilities within the organization that we can bring to these areas of customer experience and brand experience and also helping to kind of connect the dots where they're looking for design thinking as a skill set. We've done a lot of work to define kind of what the proficiency in design thinking looks like as you grow that and how you can grow it uh, and training and things like that to help organizations to grow in those skill sets. So finding those partnerships with related parts of the business like those doing digital transformations or innovation work or yeah, customer experience.
1: On similar missions, right?
0: That's right. And like, I think you and I would recognize, of course, design plays a role there, but it's not necessarily going to happen and is going to be a, a, that strong partnership unless you're reaching out, unless you're staying connected building with bridges. these different parts of the organization, exactly building those bridges super
1: interesting when you were going you said that you you then launched an application also for the app store that's publicly available could you take some of the design principles I guess it was a different type of working, right? Then you know, on on that, I don't know if you were involved in that um, project, but you know, having the, I assume like the design principles you might have for an internal solution might be different than if you want to get it for an external. Also, the the work itself, right? I just wanna was just a not one not one more project to the the pipeline or was it? Probably a complete different different thing to do.
0: Yeah, I think it's it's definitely got some differences when you're working with, you know, consumer apps that are out there in the, the public space. Obviously, doing, you know, your your research with users is, you know, it's a little bit different because you're trying to find people out there in the real world, not just employees internally mm-hmm. when you're talking about your internal tools. So that's, that's one of the differences if you want to test and, uh, you know test your prototypes or do some field research.
1: You don't have the email address of the user. You don't have the email address. Exactly. Email like you have like a exactly. mobile users.
0: That's right. That's right. So, you know, we have to rely on some different methods to, to get out there and connect with users for yeah. for that kind of a project. You know, there's, yeah, there's some different, I'd say, design principles and priorities that come in for those consumer experiences and, you know, driven by the research in many cases and some of the business uh, priorities for some of our internal tools, uh, you know, there, there probably won't be as much focus on, you know, delight and motion graphics that you might have on the consumer side side that the you know the the principle and the returns on that are not going to be the same on your internal tools perhaps yeah, yeah, yeah. you don't have to stand out in the crowd as much for your internal tools yeah, as sure. you do so, for your external yeah. ones that's right that's right
1: yeah yeah it's super interesting so yeah when was it exactly when you were starting to um you know bring in design practices at xmo which year was it
0: so 2014 was when that first kind of dedicated design team was started and I joined the team uh, shortly after the beginning of 2015. And that team grew you know, to about 10, 15, 20 designers over the next couple years while I was there. And then I moved into a kind of more strategic position um, as we started to have some other design teams grow up in the organization uh, as well in some other departments. My role then became to enable and support and promote design practices uh, as sort of a technical leader in that space. Mm-hmm. And that was uh, in 2017. So then for the, the last two years, been kind of expanding what that means to have a design program office Getting into things like design systems, design operations, recruiting, careers, and uh, you know talent development, and all of that has been uh, what we've been driving uh, since I moved into that role.
1: Mm-hmm. So what's interesting is you know, you, you know when you lead design practices and you know, want to make people understand uh, the concept of you know design as a methodology, I wonder how this has maybe changed to your time at you know XM Mobile, right? So I, as you uh, know, with a lot of organizations, this you know. There's much more, like, designers now teach in MBA schools, and, like, there are much more people, you know, know the term, right, and have an understanding of the term. So I'm just wondering a little bit, how how was it, you know, how was it for you? Did you, was it easier for you now than it was maybe a couple of years ago? So you saw any change now?
0: Yeah, so when we were first starting out, there was more of a focus on user-centered design in the context of Software and applications that our IT group was responsible for creating and and uh, and maintaining. I will say that started to shift though, actually because some of our customers internally that we'd worked with recognized the way that the design team was working in these UX focused projects and said, "Hey, could you apply some of those same ways of working and problem solving to this problem over here, which isn't a technology problem?" Mm-hmm. And of course, what do we say? Yes, of course we can do that. You know, not knowing exactly how it would go, not really being equipped fully to do that. But yes, of course, we want to try that. That sounds exciting. And, you know, deep down, we believed that these methods and, you know, human-centered design was a bigger thing than just technology and software. So kind of got started uh, with some of these projects, word spread the team was learning, the team was refining some of those methods of design thinking and design strategy. And eventually that team spun off from our first user-centered design team as its own sort of consultancy to bring strategy and innovation and kind of consulting in those areas using human-centered design. So that that has been a shift in how we talk about design because, and this was was actually in hindsight something that I wish we'd handled differently. You know, we started out where people were learning the, the term UCD, user-centered design. We taught them with a user-centered design 101 class for several years, and, and it was great. But then when we started to talk about design thinking, it just kind of muddied things because now, <laughs> now people say... Oh, so design thinking, that's a different thing. That's a thing where you run workshops. And that's, that's what you mean by design thinking because that's what they saw. That's what they saw the team, yeah. the, the kind of the visible side of what the team was doing was they were running workshops. That, that muddiness was not great because. It it caused just of the terms, terms, yes, and it just caused some confusion. Like like the people that are in the UX team couldn't do you know a design workshop because that's what the design thinking team did, and you know the design thinking team couldn't talk about technology because the UX team did that. So
1: possible, possible not, not, uh, which is uh, probably not true, right? That's right, and
0: and the people in these teams were feeling that like uh, why why are we separating these these are these are one discipline just. Working in different domains and different spaces yeah. of problems, and uh, and so we've been working on that and trying to do a better job of communicating design more holistically. And so that has been something that has evolved since the early days. We laugh all the time and we geek out about you know naming things is hard and you know the the different names you could choose for different things. We actually had a had an exercise uh, of this recently as we created our career framework for design. And you can imagine as you're trying to define what those buckets of work are and what they're called, you know, lots of people have opinions on it. And rightly so. And rightly right. so. Yeah. So no no one perfect right answer. But, you know, we try to listen to the organization, listen to the community and listen externally as well about kind of how other companies and how other people are talking about design. But I'd say that's been one of the changes is we've been talking about design as human-centered design, which does encompass the disciplines of user experience and design strategy and uh, service design, etc. cetera.
1: Mm-hmm. Super interesting. You also did got an. Uh, you also got an MBA. I did uh, at some point. You're doing your your time at X Mobile. Does it help you in your in your work as a design lead? And yeah. Maybe so in which way?
0: Yeah. So I got the MBA after I'd been at the company about three years. What happened was I I just had these nagging questions about business and how business works and runs. And, you know, it just helped me to kind of satisfy that need to understand a little bit more about things like marketing and management and finance and those parts of the business that I didn't really touch directly, but I I was starting to engage with a little bit more. So I, I got my uh, my MBA while I was still working. And by the way, I do recommend uh, for M- for MBAs not doing them right out of uh, you know, undergrad university uh, because 100%. you get you get some context for all of these subjects by spending some time in industry and in working at a company. And so I, I found that it was much more valuable for me to have the ability to connect it to the things that I was actually seeing while on the job. So anyway, that's just a just an aside. Some of the one of the things that I found valuable about doing it after working for a while. So I came back and I wouldn't say, you know, it's like I'm applying all of it on a daily basis, but I'd say there were some important takeaways in those areas of kind of management and strategy and marketing that I have kind of continued to lean on. Some of it just some good tips and some good kind of frameworks and ways of talking about things. And I do think that there is some value there in relating what we do in design to the people that are leading our business in different functions being able to relate better to kind of how they work and what their you know what their process is and their craft is makes it easier for me to make those connections to what design can bring to those spaces or maybe how we ought to be partnering together or just empathizing a bit more with those folks Mm -hmm.
1: super interesting so considering your your, your your background both in, you know, business, you know, I assume it helps you to, you know, also enlarge the footprint of the design student and the practices you're doing by understanding the other side of the stakeholders. Um, and then also, you know, teaching design thinking in a company, you know, evangelizing this uh, what is the the impact design can have for you? Uh, maybe in the domain you are, you're working.
0: Yeah, that's a great question. And one, I th- one that I think about a lot, and it kind of gets back to what drives me in this space and what motivates me. I see so many smart people. and get to interact with so many smart people, talented people at ExxonMobil. And one of the things that I love being able to do is to help to unlock or empower their kind of abilities and creativity and their ideas by bringing in design thinking and that kind of creative side of the work that they can do. I think that if we had to choose, and we've had this conversation in our, within our design discipline with other kind of professional designers on the teams, and we asked the question, if we could support designers and hire more designers and kind of really make that part of our work, really work well and smoothly. Or if we could go and teach the rest of the organization about design thinking and how to embrace creativity and reframing problems and coming up with new ideas by bringing diverse perspectives together, if we could equip the rest of the organization. And we all agree, that's where the impact really lies. Yes, you do need to have the design practice to kind of show what good is and show kind of the kind of the expertise and the craft that can help with some of these really really hard problems and big things that we're working on but they can act also as facilitators of this great body of Really, really brilliant people that work at the company, doing all kinds of functions like marketing and HR and law and procurement and all these things. If we can teach them to apply some of the same mindset and approach to problem solving that we know in design, we really believe that that's where we can have the biggest impact. And we don't know what the the end game there is, you know, what impact that could have. But as we've started to teach and we've started to kind of introduce this to classes and a community internally, we're starting to collect those stories, and I'm excited to hear. Uh, Uh, hear more of them as uh, time goes on. Super,
1: super fascinating. Uh, I think it's uh, going to be interesting how this also changed design as a discipline long term. So yeah, super fascinating. Thanks for sharing all your insights.
0: Absolutely. Super happy to be here.
1: That was the episode. If you want to give us feedback on the podcast, have something to contribute to the next episode, or just want to get in touch, feel free to connect with us either on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram messages, or simply via the designdrives.org website. We love to hear from you.